Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're listening to who? The always wonderful and, might I add, handsome host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, multimedia journalist and graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, I'll preview the Diamondbacks doubleheader against the Colorado Rockies. And then I'll tell you the, th- the, the keys. I was going to say three keys, but it's actually more than that. I'll tell you the keys to the Diamondbacks offseason, what they need to do to have a successful offseason. But first, if your, if your company is interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks will be listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into it. And let's first talk about the Diamondbacks doubleheader tonight. You're going to have Zach Gallant on the mound for the first game, I believe. Let me just double check on that. Yeah, Zach Gallant will be starting the first game of today's doubleheader. He'll be going against Antonio Zenzatella. I know I butchered that, but he's the starter for the Colorado Rockies tonight. He's been pretty good on the year for this Rockies team. He's probably been, uh, it's safe to say he's been their best starting pitcher all season. This Rockies rotation has been struggling on the year. This Rockies rotation is really not that good, but not for Zenzantella or Senzantella. He's been their best pitcher. He's the Excuse me, he's one of the only two guys on this rotation with an ERA below four, and he has the lowest ERA on this team. He's only 25 years old. He's 5-2 and with 3-1-3 ERA. Strikeouts per nine is 5.1, so he's not a guy who's going to strike you out, but he has good control. He's not going to walk a ton of guys. He might give up a few hits, but he really doesn't give up any home runs, and he really doesn't walk anyone, so his control is pretty good, and he's going to be a pretty effective pitcher on the mound. And tonight, we got to see Zach Gallen get back in the groove because over his last three starts, his ERA is a 6 7 five. It was a 1.8 before that, so we want to see uh, Zach Gallen back on the mound and get back to it because we know how good he's been. And I want to see him with dominant start tonight, get back in that Cy Young conversation. Everyone has just been disrespecting uh, Zach Gallen all year. Uh, I, I think there's some national attention about him, but not when you look at these Cy Young awards. Even when Zach Allen was at his peak before the streak even started, the NL Cy Young predictor didn't even have Zach Allen as a top 10 guy for that. So I'm really confused why Zach Allen hasn't even gotten more uh, you know, national acclaim than he's already gotten this year. Last year, a 2-8-1 ERA. This year, it's at a 3-flat, and it could probably go down to another 2-8-1 ERA, depending on how his start tonight goes. So hopefully we see good Zach Gallon tonight. I think we're going to see great Zach Gallon tonight. No one's really scared about the Col- of the Colorado Rockies. They're 25-31 on the year. They haven't been overly impressive either. They started the year pretty strong, just like the D-backs, and then they just wilted out the way just like the Dimebacks, too. They've both been awful the last what, five weeks of the season? They both have just been atrocious winning games. Pitching for both of these teams, offense for both of these teams have been a struggle. So this is really just a duke it out for battle of the NL West basement. We'll see which team comes on top in this one. I don't think 
either of these teams are playing for much or just playing more for bragging rights at this point, and they just want to see their uh, players doing well. But these are just two disgusting teams right now in the bottom of the NL. And then in that second start today, we're going to see Taylor Clark go against a rookie for the Colorado Rockies in Santos. Let me see if I can find his first name real quick. I lo- Okay, Antonio Santos. So it's Taylor Clark versus Antonio Santos for that second game tonight. And Santos, this is just his third career big league appearance. And he his ERA in the first two weren't too good. Uh, or his ERA on the season isn't too good. 8-4-4. He has no wins, no losses. He's only 23 years old. So we'll see what he could do against this D-backs team. Hopefully the D-backs take advantage of having such a young guy on the mound. We want to see this offense still, you know, try to live up to the best of their abilities. We know this offense hasn't been good at all this season, but neither has this Colorado Rockies team. And I like Taylor Clark. I think he's been pretty good this year. Taylor Clark is the guy who... Taylor Clark is a guy who, entering this season, I more thought of as the number six starter, more of a long reliever. That's what he's kind of been this year, but he's actually gotten more starts than Alex Young. He's been, I think, the preferred guy to start right now in those, you know, uh, spot starts in those times when someone gets injured. I think he's the first one off the bench right now to start for these games, and I think he's performed pretty well. His ERA is a 3.99 on the year. He's been pretty good out the bullpen for this Diamondbacks team and some pretty long outings. His most recent outing was more than a week ago, and he actually pitched five innings in relief against the Angels and got a win that day. So he's made four starts. He even got a couple of pretty deep relief appearances. Like I just said, he went five innings last week. So Taylor Clark can do a little bit of everything. I really like him. I think he's an improving young guy. He's still only 27 years old right now. So he's not old at, uh, by any stretch of the means. And he's making a case for himself right now to be in the starting rotation uh, next season. Because right now, if you think about it, you see uh, Zach Allen, you see Masson Bumgarner, you assume uh, a guy like Luke Weaver is probably going to be in it. And then you really got to start to question who else is going to be in that starting lineup uh, or, excuse me, in that starting rotation. Is it going to be Caleb Smith? Maybe Taylor Clark gets in there. You still got Merrill Kelly coming back. Don't forget. We'll see how early in the season if he could come back for the start of the season next year or if it will be a little bit delayed because of his return uh, of the most uh, of the most previous injury he had where he just underwent surgery for a thoracic outlet syndrome so we'll see if that takes him out of the start of the season next year so maybe Terrell Clark will have a chance to start next season so this could be another good test for Terrell Clark if he goes out there against the Colorado Rockies team who again is not that good but this that, that's a perfect time to perform well against someone is against a team who isn't that good because it gives you a little bit boost of confidence and at least lets you know hey this guy isn't bad against bad teams because the, if you just look at some of the Rockies' stats when it comes to batting, it's not that pretty. This Rockies team is only in terms of run scored. They're eighth in terms of run scored in the National League, so that's right in the middle of the pack. That's nothing too impressive. They're seventh in batting average, so again, just middle of the pack. And they're not a team that you really have to worry about scoring a ton of runs on you. They're 11th in home runs, so they're not doing big-time damage. They're not giving. They're not getting those quick scores by getting multiple runs across the play at once. So at least for Taylor Clark, just limit the, the amount of fly balls. You don't want anything leaving the ballpark against this Colorado. 
Colorado Rockies team. And this game is in Chase Field, so you won't have to deal with Coors Field and what that entails with other teams' offenses. Usually the Rockies offense, which is usually performing better in their home stadium. And that usually means, you know, sometimes the road team can perform better too but I think the D-backs will take being at home in this one Terrell Clark and Zach Allen are both primed for a good matchup against a struggling Rockies team but this D-backs team is struggling too and this Rockies pitching staff can definitely attack especially this first matchup with a I'm going to just struggle with his name again. So I'm going to call him Antonio. Funny that both of these guys are named Antonio. So not Antonio Santos, the other Antonio who started in the first game. He can definitely go out there. And this could definitely be a pitching duel for that first game. Antonio versus Zach Allen. Because both of these guys have been studs on the year. But that second game is where it could really get interesting. Just because Taylor Clark is more of a spot starter, long relief guy. And then you're going against a rookie who is only making his third big league start. So I expect the first game of this double header to be a real pitching duel then I expect that second game to be potentially an offensive breakout for both of these teams so we'll see how these teams uh, how these games go and and hopefully I get some ammunition against Jenna of the Lockdown Rockies because I would love to rub it in her face. The D-backs just smoked the Rockies in a doubleheader today and I don't really have a lot of bragging rights on the season that I can say. So hopefully D-backs pull out both of these games today and give me that double victory so I can rub it all in Jenna's face. Now coming up, I'll tell you the keys to the D-backs offseason. But first, can someone call the Guinness Book of World Records and give 2020 the world's greatest delay of game? Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash MLB. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash MLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Built Bar is back, and they're more improved and more delicious than ever. They have 18 amazing flavors, but they now have six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Built Bars are healthy, which is the reason why I love them. They taste like a candy bar, but they're actually a protein bar, and they're great for a health-conscious guy like me because they help me lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. And Built Bar has reset the promo code for this relaunch. Free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKDOWN and you'll get $10 off your next order. Promo code LOCKDOWN for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to it and let's talk about the keys to this Diamondbacks offseason because 
D-backs need to have a good offseason if they want to get into this 2021 playoff race. Yesterday, I said the things that this D-backs team needs to improve on, what areas they need to improve on if they want to get in this playoff race. I said that on yesterday's pod, but now I'm going to tell you the keys to the MLB offseason for what this D-backs, or really what Mike Hazen has to do, go out there and do for this D-backs team if he wants this team to be in playoff contention in 2021. So here we go. The first offseason key that the D-backs have to handle is what to do with the center field position. After trading starring Marte, center field position for this D-backs is a wide open position. Right now, Dalton Varsho is the de facto everyday center fielder, but he came through the minor leagues as a catcher, and on the season, he hasn't been overly impressive. He's had a you know a few home runs, three home runs, it's only in only 34 games, but he's only batting 165. He's got a 262 OBP, a 614 OPS, so his numbers are really not that impressive outside of his three home runs. And I just don't know if he's ready to handle that kind of load. And there's really no one else on this D-backs roster currently that you would even trust to play every day center field. I don't think you're putting Tim LaCastro every day, uh, putting Tim LaCastro in the center field every day. I don't know if you're going to do a Dalton Varsho, uh, Tim LaCastro platoon, uh, platoon situation. I don't see that happening either. So we'll see what the D-backs want to do during this offseason. They should go out there and try to acquire another center fielder, either free agency or trade. I still don't understand why they had to get rid of Starling Marte. I thought he was a valuable trade asset for next year. His player option was not that big. He, he's barely making $10 million. I don't even know if he's making that much. He's like the second highest paid team. Second highest paid on the team with a contract around that much. So it wasn't like he was breaking the bank or anything. And he was performing as, honestly, the best Diamondback this season. He was our best player before the trade. And now we don't have a guy that's, you know, on Starling Marte's level that can handle the center field position. So D-backs need to figure that out because he was so good for this team. And I would have liked to see him be on this team a little bit longer because of how well he was performing. And now he's on the Marlins. He's actually he's actually struggling a little bit on the Marlins, only batting 257 since he got traded over there. He was batting 311 with the team on the D-backs. So maybe the D-backs would go out there and acquire him again. We never see that. We never see a guy. Uh, we never see a team trade for a guy, then trade him, and then trade for him again. So I doubt it. And right now I'm actually looking at his contract. Is a team option for $12.5 million. So the D-backs didn't even have to pick that up. So I guess they figured they weren't going to pick that up. They didn't want to pay him $12.5 million, which is not breaking the bank for uh, a guy, on for your best player on a one-year deal, basically. That's not breaking the bank. So I wish they kept him. But now it's a big hole that the D-backs have to try and fix in this offseason. The second key is Eduardo Escobar. What do you do with him? It, Escobar clearly has to lose some weight. His weight has been a concern this year. He's not moving as well, and his numbers have taken a big dip. I don't know if because of it, but his numbers have taken a big dip this year. He's only batting 204, just right above the Mendoza line. Uh, 586 OPS, only four home runs. His power had just dissipated this year. He only has six doubles on the team, which is very low. You got Christian Walker, Ketel Marte, Nick Ahmed, David Peralta, Cole Calhoun and Starling Marte when he was on the team all had more doubles than David, all had more doubles than Eduardo Escobar. So I don't know where the power has gone for him. Even Steven Vogt off the bench has five doubles. So, And he's only played 25 games. So I don't know where this slugging power has gone for Eduardo Escobar after batting 
35 home runs last season. I don't know if the D-backs are going to try to shop him in the offseason or try to look for an upgrade because he has not looked that good this year. I do think the D-backs are committed to him and want to see him get in better shape for next season and do think he can have a bounce back year. But would I be surprised if the D-backs look for other options in this offseason? I wouldn't be. He's not a guy on a terribly expensive deal. He's pretty cheap like most of these D-backs players. He's not making a ton of money. So, again, he's a guy who's not breaking the bank. Next season, he's only projected to make $7.6 million. So he's dirt cheap, really. So I don't think the D-backs would be off of him for that reason. But if they think they could acquire a pretty good prospect or maybe a pretty good starter or reliever for Eduardo Espar, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that deal. Now the next one is starting pitching. Not only do you have to figure out if you're going to go out there and acquire more starting pitchers, but you have to figure out which of these guys on your roster are you going to keep around to potentially make this, uh, to potentially start next year. You you assume Zach Allen is locked in. I mean, he's been a Cy Young guy this year. You assume Madison Bumgarner is locked in just because that contract seems untradeable right now, and he's locked in for another four years. I have to assume Luke Weaver is going to be there next year just because of that investment the D-backs have in him. I can't think that they just are suddenly going to move off of him. And then right now, Merrill Kelly's a wild card. He, he's coming back next year, but we don't know when exactly. He might miss the start of the year. So that's basically three and a half starters. So you're basically going to have to figure out that fourth and fifth starter, really just, really just, basically just one and a half starters. That fourth starter is probably going to be Merrill Kelly when he comes back. Uh, whenever that is, but you do have to figure out who's going to be his replacement until he comes back. You still got Alex Young and Taylor Clark on this roster. Taylor Clark has looked pretty good this season. Alex Young has struggled a little bit. He only has a 5-4-4 ERA, which is not good, but Taylor Clark only has a 3-9-9 ERA, so I definitely think he could be in line to be a spot starter again next season, or maybe just solidify the fourth or fifth spot in this rotation. And they just acquired Caleb Smith, so I don't think they're ready to move off Caleb Smith just yet. He's looked pretty good, and it starts with the D-backs. We haven't seen the full unleashing of Caleb Smith just yet because he's been working back from COVID, so he's still on a pitch count they're still trying to work up his arm strength but I do think Caleb Smith will probably be in the starting rotation next year so right now I do think four starters are locked in if you include Caleb Smith so Gallon, Weaver, Bumgarner, Smith I think Merrill Kelly's going to be that fifth starter, but we don't know when that is. So it's either going to be Taylor Clark as that fifth starter or the D-backs are going to go out and try to acquire someone. I just mentioned Eduardo Escobar, so maybe they try to trade Eduardo Escobar for a better starter. We'll see, but I do think this rotation definitely needs to be solidified because it's been atrocious this year. I do think you want to get a little bit more depth because if Madison Bumgarner and Luke Weaver look this bad again next season, I, I think you do have to start making some tough calls about whether you need to trade them or just move them to the bullpen because uh, D-backs can go another year. Tori Lovello's job is going to be on the line next season. Mike Hazen's job is going to be on the line next season if this rotation looks this bad again next year. And then the final key I have for the D-backs offseason is just trying to find a closer. D-backs traded Archie Bradley, so right now the closer position is wide open. We, I've been saying Kevin Ginkle all year, but he has not looked the part this season. I thought he was. I thought entering the 2020, Kevin Ginkle was going to have a chance to be the closer, and he did, and he just squandered his opportunity. So right now, he doesn't seem to be the closer for this Dimebacks team, but maybe they already have the closer on this roster, 
If you look at the past few games, Stefan Crichton has been closing these games. And he's looked damn good doing it. He has a 2-4-5 year array on the season. Still only 28 years old. Now has seven saves on the year. He's finished seven games. So I do like Crichton. I do think he's been playing pretty well. I wouldn't be upset if I saw him get their, you know, closer position next year. I do think it'll be a battle in training camp between him and Kevin Ginkle and whoever the D-backs acquire during the offseason. I I do think the D-backs will look to at least add one potential closer during free agency. A Hector Rondon type who has closer experience. I don't know if they'll actually go out and sign a, a bona fide closer, whoever is available on the market. But I do think they'll go out and try to get a guy like Hector Rondon who has closer experience. And Hector Rondon has not looked good this year, so don't get Hector Rondon. Get a guy who was supposed to pitch like Hector Rondon was supposed to pitch this season. And who knows, like I said, for Eduardo Escobar maybe being getting traded. Like I said, for Escobar maybe being traded for a starter. Maybe Escobar gets traded for a closer. You never know what Mike Hazen has in his back pocket. But I definitely think this D-backs team wants to solidify that closer position. If the D-backs do all the keys I just mentioned, they will be setting themselves up prime for a 2021 uh, potential postseason run. That's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Go back and listen to this week's podcast to catch up on all the D-backs news, insight, and coverage you might have missed. We'll be back next week. Hope everyone is staying safe and staying healthy. Peace!